0: Money Pit is
1: brought to you by Vigoro, Grain, Krylon, DaVinci Roofscapes, and Lutron. Now, here are Tom and Leslie.
2: Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com, and we are here for you. If you're taking on a project this weekend take on a call to us at one Money Pit and let's talk through it. Whether it's a do-it-yourself project or a direct-it-yourself project, we want to make sure that you don't become a do-it-to-yourselfer by taking some <laughs> wrong steps as you try to get those jobs done on this fine spring weekend. So pick up the phone and call us at 888-666-3974. Now, one of those projects you might be planning this spring is to paint your home. And if it's going to be the outside of your home, experts are saying that you can never go too bright if you choose the right shade. So we're going to have some tips for picking the best bold colors for your home's shutters, trim, siding, and roof coming
3: up. And after you paint your house, or even after you don't paint your house, you're probably going to be ready for some outdoor spring relaxation. But is your deck ready? We're going to have some tips to make sure it in shape before that first get together or barbecue.
2: And nothing kills a DIY mood like having the strip and sand before painting, but you'll never have to go through all that again with a brand new paint that's out that adheres to any surface. will tell you all about
3: it. And most do it yourselfers dread electrical work that's behind the walls, or they're just going to hire somebody else to do it for them, but it just got a little bit more manageable with Rayco's Mighty Bite Push EMT connectors. Now, this is a push to connect technology. That's going to make the job a lot easier.
2: One caller this hour is going to win a $50 Home Depot gift card. That's enough to pick up a few Mighty Bite connectors. So call us right now for your chance to win it at 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's
3: first? Fonda in South Dakota, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? We are demolishing
4: our old deck that leads to an old patio at the ground level. And um, the old patio has two substrates. You lead down to a plank patio. It's like wood, two by sixes, I think, which is an awful shape. It's probably 30 feet by 30 feet. And then it butts up to a pretty substantial cement pad that's 20 feet by 20 feet. And we know we're going to demo the wood pad, but... The question is, what do we put in? Do we have to chop up the old cement pad, which is in great shape because it's so substantial? Or can we put in another cement pad next to it for the new patio? Can you go over the old cement with something and stamp it or make it just... And then the other problem is it's, it's square. And I would like the new patio at the ground level to be rounder and curvier.
2: One idea that I have straight off is to go over the old patio with brick pavers. And if the patio is flat and strong and solid, there's no reason you can't put pavers on top of that. And so you could basically create a, do almost a patio makeover By preserving the concrete and putting brick pavers right over the concrete, they're all going to assemble together. You won't see them when they're done. Now, you mentioned changing the shape. That, of course, is a little more complicated because you're going to have to build up to the edges. Part of the patio would be uh, over concrete and part of the patio would be over uh, traditional built-up stone, if that's possible. But if you want to avoid changing the shape, then it becomes a very easy project to do it with brick pavers. And of course, you have lots and lots and lots of choices on shapes and colors and all of that that you, you could go with.
4: And on the side that's not cement, what's under the brick pavers?
2: On the side that's not cement, what's under the brick pavers is this. First of all, you dig out, obviously, all the grass and that sort of thing. Then you put down um, about four to six inches of uh, gray gravel. You tamp that down really, really, really well. Then on top of that, you lay some sand, get that nice and flat. On top of that, you put the brick pavers, and then you put additional sand in between. But tamping and properly preparing that ground and tamping that stone really well is critical because if you don't, it gets all roly-poly over the years and weeds start to grow up through it. All right. Well, thank you. You're welcome, Fonda. Good luck with that project just in time for summer. 888-666-3974.
3: Now we've got Rich in Massachusetts on the line who needs some help cleaning the bathroom. Tell us what's going on at your Money Pit.
5: I live in a three-family house, and I find that the bathroom is collecting over the uh, the walls, the ceramic tile walls, the floors, which are uh, those self-adhesive tiles, as well as the faucets, the, the metal faucets, as well as the door leading into the bathroom. It's collecting a, a white film, like a residue, all over that area that I just described, the room is vented. Um, I I'm not. I can't swear that that vent uh, does work. It's a it's a vent fan combo.
2: And does the fan activate? when I mean, you can you turn it on and hear it?
5: Yeah, you can hear it. So I'm assuming that it's doing its job.
2: And do you know where that vent fan is exhausting?
5: Outside, to the other side of the wall, to the to the exterior
2: of the. And if you go outside and the vent fan is on, can you see the flapper uh, sort of propped open on it?
5: Well, you know what? It's on the third floor, so it would be tough to get a vantage point, unfortunately, for me.
2: Perhaps you could do it with a pair of binoculars. Here's the thing. If you don't have good, uh, a good, strong ventilation in that unit, in that bathroom, you're going to have a lot of moisture hanging in the air, and that's going to settle on all those surfaces and dry. And if there's mineral deposits inside that water, as there often is, you'll get that white kind of crusty, uh, powdery sort of look sitting on everything. It cleans up nice with the vinegar and water solution because it breaks down the, the, the mineral salts. But um, I think better bathroom ventilation is going to be the key. So I would make sure the bath fan is working, working well. And I would also put it on a timer, Rich, so that when you step out of the shower in the bathroom, that it runs for another five or ten minutes to pull out all that moisture.
5: That's a good idea. So what am I looking at technically then, that white residue? Is that, a, is that some
2: aspect of the mineral deposit drying or something? That's exactly what it is, mineral salts, actually.
5: Okay, I. So in a vinegar-water vinegar, vinegar combo, you're telling me, cleans it up?
2: Yeah. I mean, most of the commercial products will work, too. But just to, if you just mixed up some white vinegar with water and wiped it down, you'll see it'll pull right off.
5: Okay. And then does it does it point towards the ceiling fan not doing its job? Yes. I re- really appreciate it. Put in a real simple terms for me to understand. And, you know, it's an important room. And because it's an important room... If it keeps looking crusty like that, it just affects your whole disposition. So I'm I'm really glad I called and I appreciate the, the the input and the help you gave me. I'm gonna I'm gonna look I'm gonna look right at that ceiling fan and check it out and make sure it's doing what it's supposed to be doing.
2: All right, good luck with that project, Rich. Thanks so much for calling us at eight eighty eight Money Pit.
3: You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now, you can be part of the Home Improvement Fund. Give us a call with your repair, decor, home improvement, whatever you are working on. We are here to give you a hand 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at 1-888-MONEY-PIT.
2: 888-666-3974. Still ahead, the summer's all about getting in shape, and your deck is no exception. We'll have tips to make sure yours is safe with this week's pro tip presented by Grain Shingle Siding from the Tapco Group when the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show continues after this.
3: Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors?
2: Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctor and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's Airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT.
3: Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy.
6: Money Pit is presented by PaveStone's easy-to-stack RumbleStone Rustic Building Blocks. Create any outdoor hardscape you can imagine to instantly add Old World Charm. Available at The Home Depot. For more information and product instructions, visit PaveStone.com.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler,
3: and I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: And you know, it doesn't matter if you're a do-it-yourselfer or a pro. Behind-the-wall projects can be a real hassle.
3: Yeah, but this is where Rayco's Mighty Bite Push EMT comes in. It's a push-to-connect technology that's going to let you take the guesswork out while you're putting electrical work. In now, one caller this hour is going to get to see for themselves how easy it is with a $50 Home Depot gift card, and that's enough for several Reiko connectors.
2: And that gift card could be yours if we answer your question on the air this hour. Learn more about raco at homedepot.com and give us a call right now with your home improvement question at 1 888 Money Pit.
3: Jackie in Illinois is looking for some small garden decor tips. What's going on? Tell us about your space. I had just purchased
7: my home, it'll be a year seconds next month and my yard is big enough for me but yet small enough for anybody else. What I would like to do is um, put like a, a garden area up along the west side of my fence without having to dig the yard up and make the yard look real tacky.
3: Uh, do you have any hint,
7: suggestions ideas
3: so you have a fence along this one wall you want to put a garden or a flower bed in front of that what is the rest of the space
7: uh well it's um my backyard is fenced in, and from my garage which is on the east side of the property clean clear to the west side uh i get plenty of sunlight
3: okay but is it grass is it patio
7: the biggest portion of the yard is grass I've got, like, a small patio area, like, right next to the garage, and if I could just put, like, a flower bed or a place uh, that I can put, like, a small garden, it's what I would like to do. I kind of like to use um, the landscape lumber, but I don't know how much to get or how to go about putting it up.
3: All right. Well, my first thought, since you've got this patio area in front of the garage and the garage is probably just, you know, a blank wall of whatever the siding material is. My first thought is to do a great little seating area in front of there. And you need to think about, you know, are you looking to sit at a table or do you want to sit at like, you know, a small settee, you know, a little couch area with a chair. So think about how you would like to use that space. Are you looking for eating and entertaining or more like lounging and relaxing?
7: Mainly like... Uh, eating and entertaining yeah so
3: definitely a table umbrella some chairs there that's great and does not have to cost a ton of money I mean you can find some at home centers you know, department stores that specialize in home decor for very affordable amounts. Now, on that back wall with the garage that's kind of, you know, lackluster, you can either do a trellis with some potted plants on either side with a climber like a clematis or an ivy or a night-blooming jasmine, something that will sort of grow up and out of the pots and onto the trellis. You know, I did this on the side of my garage with two potted clematis. And I have this beautiful, you know, wrought iron trellis that I found that I've put, you know, you know, twinkling white Christmas lights on and the Clematis sort of takes over it in the summer months and blooms and smells fantastic. And it's just lovely to sit in front of. You can do something like that very inexpensively and very easily as well. Now, as far as a flower bed on the opposite side, I mean, you're really not going to sacrifice that much yard space if you do dig up a portion of that lawn. And that really is the best way to do it, to create a flower bed. And what you can do is you can use either that... um you know, landscaping lumber or even stones, um, river rock or, you know, field stones stacked up to create a little wall for a flower bed. Just remove that layer of grass, fill it in with potting soil and plant away. And that really is a great way to create a flower bed. And if you go sort of creatively with your shape and edge it a bit, you're not giving up that much lawn space.
7: I thank you so much for your help and I greatly appreciate it. Well, the weather is
2: getting nicer and soon you'll be spending more and more time on your deck. But before you get ready for the season of outdoor living, it's important to make sure that the deck is in good shape. And we've got your checklist with this week's pro tip presented by Grain Shingle Siding from the Tapco Group.
3: Now, deck trouble is something that a homeowner can definitely spot if you know what to look for and where to look. First of all, you want to look for signs of rot. Now you can check different parts of the deck to be sure that the wood is still sound. You want to use a tool like a screwdriver to penetrate the wood surface. If the wood is soft and spongy, decay might be present.
2: Next, check the flashing. Flashing is the metal or synthetic material that directs water out and away from sensitive areas. It's often installed where the deck and the house come together. And keeping moisture and debris from collecting between the house and the deck is key. Be certain that the flashing is sound and firmly in place.
3: And you want to go ahead and tighten any loose fasteners and pound in any nails that have sort of popped up over the winter season. If a fastener looks rusted or corroded, you want to consider replacing it. A corroded fastener can cause deterioration in that surrounding wood. And finally, the deck or the stairs should appear even without any sagging and shouldn't sway or move when tested.
2: And also, don't forget to check your railing to make sure it's secure. And that's today's pro tip presented by Grain Engineered Shake and Shingle Siding from the Tapco Group. The uncompromising beauty of Grain's 5-inch shingle siding offers the charm of natural cedar with none of the maintenance. Visit Grain.com or ask your pro today. That's G-R-A-Y-N-E dot com.
3: Now we've got Bob from Rhode Island on the line. What can we help you with today at your money pit?
8: Well, my money pit is a, a house, actually, and usually is everybody's money pit, I guess. I got a, 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 the, fam- the family's homestead. It's been in the family since 1948, and I'm in the process. I've gutted it all out. I'm down to the studs, so I took all the studs and the... I mean, I'm sorry, I took all the plaster and the lads off the walls and the ceiling, and I'm looking at these two chimneys in the house. It's a two-and-a-half-decker house, and I'm trying to decide if I want to eliminate the chimneys, you know the new, new boilers today they're all direct vented, and um I got to do the roof anyway, so I'm saying, is this the time to remove the chimneys? What do you think?
2: Well, I think it might be if you want to get rid of the chimneys, it could be the time to do it. Do you feel like the chimneys contribute to the aesthetics of the house
8: well that's the thought too uh that, that's part of the the reason why I'm calling is because I'm they they kind of do uh, in in some way, and you know I'm looking at when i when I tear the when I tore the walls out, I exposed the chimney. I, I do like the brick, but then again, it, uh, I can change the layout of the kitchen without one of the chimneys. The one in the kitchen is quite large.
2: So, Do these come up through the middle of the house or do they come up the outside wall?
8: No, they're, they're in the middle. Not in the middle, but they're in, okay. inside. They're all so that's in... not so bad. Yeah, they're not like yeah. a, a newer house where they were outside on the outside of the house, no.
2: And your your furnace, your water heater, they're all direct vent today, so they're completely disconnected from the chimneys themselves?
8: Well, not now. I'm going to replace them. I'm going to put a Navien system in. And, um...
2: Okay. All right. So you're going to use a PVC probably vent pipe it's take that up and out. Correct. Yes. All right. Well, listen, If you, it does make sense to remove the chimneys. Um, they are obviously a maintenance headache and a source of, of many leaks. Since you're doing the roof, now is the right time to do that. Removing the chimney is, is not as difficult as you might expect because it's basically like taking apart the building blocks. You start at the top and knock those bricks loose and take them down one at a time until you get below the top of the chimney. You probably go right down to the attic floor, I would imagine, so that it's not in the middle of the attic. And then go ahead and resheathe that roof, fill, fill the hole in. And, and once they roof over, it'll be a distant memory. And the
8: funny funny thing, as you said, that's the proper way. But years ago, I had a friend of mine helping me uh, doing another house, and I, and it was a three-decker. And I told him I want to remove the chimney. And all of a sudden, I heard this ridiculously loud noise. It sound, sounded like a locomotive. He went down in the basement, he knocked out the chimney, and it's one wonder he didn't get killed. The entire chimney came all the way down to the basement. Oh, the whole thing came down? Yeah, he, he was entirely <laughs> covered in soot. It's a wonder he didn't get killed. The entire basement was full of bricks.
2: Yeah, well, let's hope he learned his lesson. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Heather in Texas is dealing with a mold situation. Tell us what's going on. Um. Well, I have
7: like black spots in my restroom, and I'm not sure if that's mold, and I would like to know how can you fix it.
2: Without seeing it, I can't tell you, but if they're black spots, it probably is mold. And where are these spots? Is it on the wall, shower curtain, tile, where? Ceiling? In the wall. On the wall. Do you have uh, wallpaper on the wall? No. What you might want to do is mix up a bleach and water solution, about 10 to 15% bleach and the rest water spray it on those spots, let it sit for a bit of time, and then wipe it down with fresh water. So if there if there is mold there, that will kill it. The reason we usually get mold in bathrooms is because they're wet and damp all the time. A couple of things that you can do there is, do you have a bath exhaust fan in this room? No. Well, you should have one. And th- this is one of the reasons you should have one, because it will draw air out of that room when it gets damp, especially if you hook it up to a humidistat, so it's only running when there's moisture in the room. If you don't have that, then the only thing that you can do is just get into the practice of wiping down walls or, or using a squeegee to wipe most of the water off the, the bath, shower walls, that sort of thing every single time and leaving the door open. But if you don't have a bath exhaust fan, you're always going to be fighting this. When you do repaint next time, make sure you use a paint that has a mildecide built into it because that can also further reduce the chance of, of developing mold. Okay, Heather?
3: Okay. Thank you. Up next, there is a very fine line between being the it house on the block and the house that sticks out like a sore thumb. Now, the difference often comes down to the right color. We're going to have some expert advice on choosing bold shades for the front of your home after this.
6: is brought to you by Grain Engineered Shaken Shingle Siding from the TAPCO Group. Contractors can now offer homeowners the charm of natural cedar with none of the maintenance. Visit grain.com or ask your pro today.
2: Making good homes better, this is the Money Pit, home improvement radio show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm
3: Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And while color trends are showing us that gray, and I mean a very neutral gray, is the hot color right now for inside your house, colors for your home's exterior are really getting bolder. And now you can use color on your outside shutters, on the trim, siding, and get this even your roof.
2: That's right. Here to tell us about the colorful roofing options available is Kate snow Smith. Kate Smith is the Chief Color Maven at Sensational Color and a color design consultant for Da Vinci Roofscapes. Welcome, Kate.
1: Hi, Tom. Hi, Leslie.
2: So is that what it says in your business card, Chief Color Maven? It does.
1: <laughs> that's a pretty cool card.
2: <laughs> well, that's a pretty cool title. So before we get started um, talking about roof colors, we mentioned that you're a color design consultant for DaVinci Roofscapes. Can you just explain to the audience what DaVinci does? Because their roofing product is quite unusual. It's actually a polymer roofing tile, correct?
1: Yes, it is. It's, they make uh, polymer slate and shake roofing tiles. And they're fabulous because they Im- resist impact, severe weather, hail, fire. And the best thing, as far as I'm concerned, is that they come in 50 different colors. And so um, there's an option for everyone.
2: And so they look like traditional slate or shake roofing, but because they're made of a polymer, Uh, There's nowhere near the maintenance that's required, and I understand that they can last up to 50 years. Is that correct?
1: Yes, that is. When you compare the two side by side, in the long run, they just look so much better for so long, and as you said, low maintenance. So I just love the product, and I'm really happy to be working with them.
3: Now, Kate, it's got to be intimidating. I mean, you just said there's 50 different color choices. So if I'm a homeowner that wants to do something a little bit different with my roof, how do I go about even starting to think of what's going to work? Because that's a lot of color choices.
1: Well, you're absolutely right, Leslie. And it can be a little intimidating. And that's why I've shared with uh, people that are looking to add color to their exterior, especially to their roof, the way I do it. Because I've worked with hundreds, uh, maybe thousands of homeowners on their home. And many, many of, them, of those were with exteriors, which is actually my favorite thing to choose color for. And I have an approach where I start and I call it from the top down because the roof is a, a crucial element in your exterior home design. So I always start with looking at the roof and the other fixed features. And my approach is called FRESH, F R E S H, just like the word fresh, uh, fresh colors. And each of those letters stands for one of each of the five steps of what I'm looking at. So it helps you to remember what you want to look at when you're working with your home.
2: So first up, Kate, you mentioned the importance of the roof. I presume that's a fixed feature. What else is important to consider? Well,
1: the other fixed features are any permanent design element of your home. This might be things like partial stone or brick or even your retaining walls. And although they're made of different materials, you want them all to have a common color or color cast. And that helps pull the... the, exterior together and keep it cohesive.
3: And I think also important has got to be regional colors. I mean, there are so many different styles depending on where you are in the country, right?
1: Yes, because each region of the country has a different quality of light, different surroundings, different available materials, and really different home styles and even colors that are more accepted or work better in certain areas.
2: Now, you also mentioned the importance of environment in uh, contributing towards the color choice. How does the environment impact what choices you make?
1: Well, the environment I'm talking about are the surroundings. So look around your neighborhood. Look around your home. Are you in a suburban neighborhood? Are you in an urban area? Is your home near a desert, waterfront, mountains? All of these things will impact the types of colors that are going to work well. And most often, we want
3: colors that blend into our natural surroundings. And I think the style of the home is also important.
1: <laughs> the style can dictate a lot about when you're looking at what types of colors work. You're going to put different colors on a Victorian than when you, than you might on a Tudor style home. And so, do some research. There's a lot of great resources online. We've got some free resources available that I'll tell you about. But. To help determine how the style will impact the color, there's certain colors that work really well, or certain types of color on different styles of homes.
2: We're talking to Kate Smith. She's the chief color maven at Sensational Color and a color design consultant for Da Vinci Roofscapes. Kate developed a system called Fresh. For help when selecting roof colors and fresh stands for fixed features regional colors environment and surrounding style of the home and finally perhaps my favorite topic historic colors leslie and i both enjoy living in very old homes and the color of those homes is really really important to make sure it's going to work with that particular design correct
1: yes Uh, historic colors can also be used on more contemporary homes they're they're always favorites these are great colors because we've liked them throughout history when you have a historic home, it does help to have colors that seem to really fit with the age of your home and the style of your home. Um, and that's normally what people are looking for is something that gives it that good fit. But the H also can stand for homeowners association. I like to remember people that whether they live in a historic district or their home neighborhood is uh, – over—you know they have oversight by a homeowners association – you want to check with those organizations to make sure that the colors you select uh, meet the requirements of the area before you paint.
2: Oh, it's a good idea. We're talking to Kate Smith. And Kate, you've actually got two books that are available for free to our listeners, uh, Fresh Home Exterior's Color Guide and Fresh Color Schemes for Your Home Exterior Guide. And those are both available at colormyroof.com. That's color my Roof. Kate Smith with DaVinci Roofscapes. Thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit.
3: Thank you for having me. All right, imagine being able to pick up a can of paint and go. No prep required. Coming up, we're going to have advice on paint products that save time so your projects get done quicker when the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show continues.
7: You live in the Money Pit.
6: Money Fit is presented by Pavestone's easy-to-stack rumblestone rustic building blocks. Create any outdoor hardscape you can imagine to instantly add old-world charm. Available at the Home Depot. For more information and product instructions, visit pavestone.com.
2: Making good homes better. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: And you know those behind-the-wall electrical projects that you put off for as long as possible? Well, they're about to get a lot easier for one caller because this hour we're giving away a $50 Home Depot gift card enough to pick up several Reiko Mighty Bite push EMT connectors and couplings.
3: Reiko push and connect technology is so good it cuts down the time it takes to connect electrical conduits by 75%.
2: Learn more at homedepot.com and give us a call right now for the answer to your home improvement question and your chance to win that $50 gift card from the Home Depot at one 888 Pit.
3: Pam in Missouri is on the line and has a question about installing a dimmer, a great do-it-yourself project. How can we help you, Pam? I have a room that has fluorescent lighting in it, and there's two entries into that room. So there's a light
1: switch on each door, so it's a two-way switch. Can I put a sensor on that so that when you walk in and walk out, the lights come on and go
2: off? Are you asking me if you can? Can you put a sensor on that? Yes. Is your concern that you want the lights to come on automatically, or is your concern that you don't want people to leave the lights on when no one's in the room? Both. Well, I guess you could use an occupancy sensor switch there. But you would need to set it in vacancy mode, not occupancy mode. See, in occupancy mode, the light comes on when there's motion. So, if you had a three way, what could happen is you walk in the room, the switch closest to you picks up your motion, turns the lights on. You continue halfway through the room till the one on the other side picks it up and turns the lights off. So, that wouldn't work too well. A better option might be to just replace one side of it, just one of the switches, with an occupancy sensor, but set it in what's called the vacancy mode. So what that means is you manually turn the light switch on, but if there's no motion in the room, it will automatically go off. So we use these, for example, in the bedrooms upstairs at our house because kids turn lights on, but as as we all know, kids don't turn the lights off. So if you set it in the vacancy mode, they can turn the lights on, but then they'll go off depending on the period of monitoring you set. They'll either go off 1, 5, 15, or 30 minutes later.
3: Oh, okay. All right. That would work. Thank you. So you know that phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas? Well, in a few weeks, the money pit's going to smash that rule to smithereens. That's right. Tom and I are headed to Vegas for the National Hardware Show. This is an invitation-only event, and the whole reason we're going because we're cool enough to score invites. No, because it's all for home improvement professionals, and that's us. And we're going so we can report back to you about the coolest new products from our top products pavilion right on the show floor.
2: And we've been getting sneak peeks at some of the products, and one that's caught our eye is the Krylon Supermax. It's a spray paint that eliminates the need for sanding, priming, or prepping on any surface.
3: Yeah, basically, you more or less shake it and go, no matter where you're spraying. That's pretty awesome. Supermax technology is so cutting edge that it's going to stick, even to laminate and plexiglass, as well as traditional materials like wood, wicker, and plastic.
2: Krylon Supermax at the National Hardware Show this year. You can hear more about it and other hot Krylon products on Twitter. Just follow us at the hashtag TopProductsNHS.
3: Jack in New York needs some help with the crawl space. What can we do for you?
0: Well, I had a an area that is was the crawl space and uh we dug it out and uh so that's we have about a seven foot ceiling now. And I put some gravel in it and I wasn't gonna do anything, but now I wanna expand my shop and I don't really have access to where I can you know, uh put concrete in it. And I was wondering if you would have any uh, ideas.
2: Well, first of all, Jack, uh, since you dug it out down to seven feet, how did you support the soil under the foundation wall? We left a- We left a step. Uh, this this dirt
0: that was in there was, it was so compact that it, uh, it was almost impossible to dig it out. So we weren't huh. too worried, but we did leave a step around the foundation. Okay. The footer. Right. Uh, there was about two and a half foot. Uh, we went about two and a half foot below the footer.
2: That's what we what we call in our part of the country a Yankee basement, <laughs> where it's uh, it's dug out. It's not, it's not a joke. That's actually what they call it. They call it a Yankee basement, or well, sometimes a root cellar. Where basically you take the uh, interior perimeter of the foundation wall, move in about two and a half three feet, and then dig down there so you leave this like sort of berm of soil to support the the foundation that's uh, that's under the foot to support the foundation that's under the footing. So um, options for cleaning, for, for finishing that floor. Why can't you get concrete into the floor? Because, you know, most times there would be a situation where they'd set up a chute that goes right through a window and pour some concrete into that floor. That's clearly the easiest way uh, and fastest way to create a floor in a basement.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. But I I really, to time the the expense for the concrete and uh, having a, you know, doing a whole project would be pretty, pretty pricey. How big is
2: the floor area?
0: Well, it's about the 25 by 15, and then with a 8 by 8 uh, jut to, on one end of it. So it's L-shaped, basically.
2: Well, I, I don't have any quick ideas on how to create a, a hard surface flooring when you don't want to put concrete down there. You, you could frame something, but I mean, I, it would be very temporary. I, I would really prefer that you put concrete. Now, you don't have to do, you know, you have to do, you don't have to, it doesn't have to be six inches thick. It can be, you know, four inches thick and, and poured in sections but I really think you should just budget for and and use concrete down there because anything else you do is going to be very substandard. It's not going to contribute to the value of your house.
0: I hear you. Yeah, it sounds... Sounds like the foot I was afraid I was going to hear.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, look, you, you got you got all the hard work done digging it out. You know, I would just budget for and save up for for some concrete. Uh, you know, get a mason to help you or get somebody that's used to finishing concrete and uh, get it all poured and it'll be done. It'll be done in a day.
0: Oh yeah, sure.
2: It has to be done in a day because the concrete's going to cure. <laughs> all right, Jack. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit.
3: Still ahead, you know, Tom and I do our best to keep your house disaster free. But sometimes we run into house troubles ourselves. I'm going to share my recent home improvement headache when the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show continues. You
7: live in a Money Pit. Money pit.
6: The Money Pit is brought to you by Vigoro. The Vigoro brand offers quality products for your lawn and garden at the ultimate value. Available exclusively at The Home Depot. Visit your local store today.
2: Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: And I have fantastic news. If you missed your chance to make that garden Sasquatch statue yours... You might be in luck because Sky Mall, the catalogue of the skies, could be returning to airline seat pockets soon. The in flight catalog declared bankruptcy in January, but says it's potentially found a buyer who will continue operations, which means products like a life size King Tut cabinet and the classic pet ramp staircase can once again be yours. And I know those must have been your favorite products as well, right, Leslie?
3: I- I always found it so funny. Why would you have a kitty litter box that's in the bottom of like a potted plant so that it's like hanging out right in your living room? But apparently they did.
2: Well, hopefully there's a spring getaway on your calendar. For Leslie, though, her vacation was more of a cleanup than a vacation, and it's damage she's still dealing with and tells us all about it in this week's edition of Leslie's Last Word. And all I can say is, what a mess.
3: Yeah, I don't know if you guys have seen the video online yet. We've posted it on the Money Pit page. So you know how all winter long we're giving you advice on how to keep your pipes from freezing. Well, I had a firsthand reminder of why this is so important a few weeks ago. So my family, my mom, my sisters, brothers-in-laws, we all share a house on the North Fork. It's actually my parents' house, but we all go out there, and we've done so for many, many, many years. And we'd been hearing from neighbors, and we'd been hearing from news out there about the damage being caused by such low temperatures we had this winter and tremendous amounts of snow. So my sister and her husband had been out there a month before, and... We went out there to check on the house exactly a month to the day that she had been there. And when we opened the door, I mean, it was exactly what we had feared. There was water and water damage everywhere. I mean, the ceiling was on the floor. The water was just pouring. It sounded like a waterfall. I mean, we had two pipes freeze and burst at some point in the past, in that month between. And it caused a ton of damage. Now, luckily, there are some easy ways to get the help that you need, because there's been so much damage in the area that it had actually been declared a catastrophe zone by the insurance company, who, as you can imagine, have been in the media a lot lately. We've been talking a lot about the insurance involvement in what's going on with weather-related damages with the home. So lucky for us, we got into the right hands immediately. And of course, we knew how to shut off the water immediately. We knew how to turn off the power so that the house was restored to a sort of safe, workable situation. Now, a few weeks out, we've already had the insurance adjuster there we have had a sort of water removal cleaning company come in and they pretty much took every piece of furniture from the first floor and every piece of clothing bedding drapery from inside the house to be cleaned to be dried out they're seeing what can be salvaged i mean the base cabinets in the kitchen hopefully we can just get away with replacing the toe kicks if everything dries out carefully and nicely but you know worst case scenario we're going to replace it So it's just a very awakening situation to remember that you want to properly winterize a home. You want to make sure that you get, you know, leak alarms on your house so that, especially if it's a vacation home, that you know should something happen and then you're just a couple hours away from being there to actually fix something. There's so much that you can do to make sure that these things aren't going to happen. And if they do happen, that the extent of the damage is not so great. So make sure that you stay on top of it. And we're here to give you a hand. And, you know, in this situation, it's do as we say not as I do apparently but I can't take all the blame it's the entire Segretti clan we're going to share this one
2: <laughs> There were too many uh, too many cooks in that kitchen I think
3: Yeah that there's no kitchen anymore
2: Well you're going to get a new kitchen so let's be positive yeah. <laughs> about that Well coming up next week on the money pit that crack in your foundation can be nothing or it could be the sign of a bigger problem we'll have tips on how you can find fill and fix those foundation cracks on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And
3: I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. You live in a Money Pit.